Hallelujah. Well, let's look at the scripture with me as we continue talking about Jesus' encounters. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. If you are taking notes, I encourage you, you should have gotten a little note card with your uh, bulletin. Uh, Please follow along. You will find that very helpful as we are going through the scriptures. Let's read together Luke 19, 1 through 10. And he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax gatherer. And he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was. And he was unable because of the crowd. For he was a small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of the man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Praise the Lord. As we look at being reconciled and what that means. This is one of the greatest stories in the New Testament See, this is one of these unbelievable stories. This is one of these that maybe you are either aware of someone that you think to be a Zacchaeus, or maybe you yourself would consider even your own self to be a Zacchaeus. And the point is this. There are ones in our life, and there were one by the name of Zacchaeus there. They all said, no way, Jesus, you can never save them. The worst of sinners. We all have those that we would call to mind, maybe. I don't know who it would be. I believe really for each person, it may be a little bit different. For you to think of, for you to to consider. See, in this passage of scripture, he was rich and he was a tax gatherer. Now, as we get close to April 15th, how does that resonate? (laughs) He, He was not well liked. He was somebody who not only, but see, he didn't collect for his own country. He was a tax collector collecting taxes for someone who was occupying their nation. 
So he wasn't even collecting taxes from their own government for their own people. He was collecting taxes for someone else. And then to top it off, he was wealthy. And I mean people despised him. People thought, you've got to be kidding me. There is no way. And see, sometimes I think our perspective and our paradigm needs to be changed. See, sometimes we need to, as the scripture says, go as the Father has sent Jesus. Jesus came not condemning the world. The world was already condemned. The world was already lost in sin. Jesus came to love them and show them the light so that they may be saved. So that they could call upon the name of the Lord. And here in Jericho, it could have been so easy, so quick to have walked right by him. But Jesus had very clearly already had an impact on Zacchaeus. He hadn't even met Jesus yet. Jesus was already working on his heart before he got there. Do you know that there are people that God is working on already before you even get there? Don't think, don't let us become so arrogant in our Christianity to believe that we will save anybody. It's only Jesus who saves. <laughs> it's only he. We can be a vessel and we give out a message. He does the saving. He does the redeeming. He does the reconciling. Jesus had already been there in Zacchaeus's heart. It was evident because Zacchaeus wanted to know who Jesus was. He had already had an intrigue to the point where it says he was a little guy. To the point where the crowd was so big he said, I've got to see who this guy is. And he climbed a sycamore tree just to get a better perspective of who Jesus was. Now let me tell you, if you're here and you are wondering who Jesus is, Jesus is the Savior of your soul. Jesus died on a rugged cross. He shed his own blood for you. And if you're here and you're a vessel of God, I'm going to ask, who is it maybe that in your life you need to have a new paradigm? You need to have the perspective of Jesus. You need to say, Lord, you could save them. Amen? First or Second Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some men count slowness. But he is patient toward you, not wishing that any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, that's a wonderful scripture for those who are lost and need Jesus. But I tell you, it's also a call for me and you and I, the church, because maybe God is being patient with us because we need to be obedient to the message so that people would be saved. Amen? The second thing is this. Jesus is a friend to all sinners. 
There is no sinner, there is no sin that has ever been committed that Jesus can't redeem you from. Jesus is ready and he stopped and he took time to engage Zacchaeus. He stopped. Now this is interesting because although they thought that he was not worth saving or beyond saving, Jesus said, now is the time. He stopped at the very place and he said, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. Now, oh, that we would begin to have that perspective. And if you're here, let me say to you, Jesus has stopped at your heart today. He has stopped and he is saying, this is who I am. I am the son of God. I am the one who purchased your salvation. And he stands, as the scripture says, at the door, knocking and asking for you to open up your heart for him to come in. Zacchaeus got down and welcomed him gladly. Now there's an amazing thing. This one that they said was a tax gatherer, someone who very clearly from a, a few more verses we're going to read about had cheated people. I mean, he wasn't well-liked for a reason, okay? He wasn't a good guy, <laughs> okay? Zacchaeus was uh, really a thief, <laughs> okay? And he just found a way to do it legally, <laughs> from another government, okay? So he was taking from his own people, giving it to a different uh, government and system, and yet he was wealthy. Do you see the animosity that could be building? <laughs> but Zacchaeus, when he had an encounter with Jesus, came down and received him gladly. I have found in scripture, in my reading, that those who are lost in the deepest of sin are the ones who seem, when they come to Jesus, to be overwhelmingly just abandoned. And those that were, quote, inside the church were the ones that would not even come close to Jesus. Now, we need to have our paradigm changed. We need to have our perspectives changed because Jesus loves all sinners. And I want to take you to this scripture. It's a, a scripture that, that maybe uh, we, we have uh, overlooked or we have looked at and, and thought, well, that, that couldn't have been for me. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I have it listed up here. It says, he who had no sin became sin for you and me. Jesus was holy. He was perfect. He never sinned. He was without blemish. 
very clearly the word of God said, had he not been perfect, there would have been no, no, no forgiveness of sin. The sacrifice had to be holy. And he made it, and it says in this scripture, he became sin for us. Now, I just ask you just to pause and say, who is it that you think has done something beyond ever deserving forgiveness? That's the one Jesus wants to save. That's the one. You say, that's the, I, I can't, I don't even, I can't do that. Well, you need to ask God to change your heart because that's what God did for you and me. <laughs> See, God loved me while I was yet a sinner. When I didn't want anything to do with God, when I railed against him, when I wanted him out of my life as far as he could go, Jesus still loved me and gave his life for me. And so, interesting enough, the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at one point and killed incredible amount of Christians... And he himself says, after having a conversion experience with Jesus, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. <laughs> Paul recognized that Jesus came to save the worst. Jesus came to save that very one that we think is not reconcilable. God came to reconcile them. He came to reconcile you and I. He still calls out today for you and I and whosoever will come. Isaiah 55, 1 says God is calling, whosoever come, come unto me. Praise the Lord. He's called the worst of us. So I want to encourage you if you are here and you say, ah, yeah, but Brian, you don't know what I've done. I may not, but I tell you, it, it, it matters very little whether I know what you've done. What matters is you've known what Jesus has done. Because <laughs> Jesus says, I will forgive you. Jesus says, bring it to me. I will wash it with my blood. I will cleanse you. He says, though your skin, sin, though your sin be like scarlet, I will wash you white as snow. Though your stains be like crimson, they will be as white as wool. Praise the Lord. Our God is able. All right, number three. The proof in the power of the resurrection is in the ones he is, has, and is going to reconcile. Each and every one of you, I want to encourage you, if you are here, if you've called on the name of Jesus, you have a testimony God wants you to give. You have a testimony God wants to use you. And until I will say, you who know Jesus, if you are here and you say, Pastor Brian, I just can't find 
satisfaction with what I'm doing, even knowing Jesus, what you need to do is get on God's page and stop being a part of the world system. God has called you with a purpose, not for you to run a race of life like a hamster in a wheel over and over again and die. God's called you with purpose. God's called you for his glory, for you to be engaged in the kingdom of God, for you to reach the Zacchaeuses of your world, for you to reach the Zacchaeuses in your family, for you to reach that one, that neighbor, that person that others have said, man, I can't even believe it. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, I hope that be said of every one of us. <laughs> because if it was, we'd be doing what Jesus had done. I will tell you again, if we don't go to find them, the world will give them all the time they want. Right up to hell. We must save them. We must go under the power, under the anointing of Jesus and say to them, Jesus is standing with open arms. Just like he was with Zacchaeus. And by the way, although they railed, although they said, although they accused Jesus of being at the house of this sinner, he immediately said, Jesus, I'm giving half of everything I have away. And if anyone come, if I find out I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay it back four times. That's not only reconciliation, that's transformation. That's not just reconciliation and transformation, that's being restored. See, Jesus not only just saves your soul, he then begins to restore those relationships, those things that have been broken in your life. He wants to restore them. And so he starts by reconciling you to Jesus. And then he says, now watch. Now that you've given your heart to me, watch the transformation. Just like Zacchaeus, you will be changed. Just like Zacchaeus, he will come in by his power, not yours. Religion will never make you what you want to be. That only happens by the Spirit of God living in you. And... He continues today. Jesus continues today reconciling people to himself. He did it with Nicodemus in John 3, 1 through 21. He did it with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, 7 through 54. He did it with an adulterous woman in John 8, 1 through 11. And he did it with a man named Saul who he changed to Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He transformed them by the power of God. And he is doing it today. You say, how do you know? Watch. 
basically what really kind of started the relationship off, in my opinion, was when we were writing, we started talking about kind of doing this little uh, guess what God did for me type thing. And it was kind of going back and forth, back and forth between letters over the weeks and stuff. And it was kind of like, I dare you to do something better than what I just told you. So that's that's kind of how we start off. And we, yeah, and we really had a good time doing this because we pray for each other. We, I mean, that's just how the whole relationship started out was with, with the Lord the whole, the whole way. And then um, he moved back to Oregon. Yes. And we started dating. And then in 93, we got married. Yeah. He proposed the, the day that Clinton came into office. <laughs> kind of on on uh, uh, um, voting day, when Clinton came into office. And then, he wasn't the reason why I proposed to you. I know. <laughs> but it, just, it was just a milestone there. <laughs> so I went to go live with her. And um, we just we started our life together. And... Um, just like every other couple, we had our strifes and our, you know, everything from finances to car work to everything, you know, everything a couple goes through, we went through it too. We had we had a beautiful daughter in the Lord's timing, wonderful daughter, and uh, successfully raised her in the church where we were going to, went to Children's Church and all that. Um, just through the course of life, we kind of... We were going to church, but I feel like we didn't have God as the center of our relationship. Right. And we just kind of put him off to the side instead of having him as the center. And uh, that never works out. So then we separated um, after 11 years. And I kind of, I took our daughter and left. And um, for 13 years, it, it just was a mess. Um, about 10 years into the, the separation, I kind of got my focus turned back to God and rededicated my life. And um, God was telling me, just kept putting Robert on my heart to get in contact with him and stuff. And um, at first he was a little hostile. <laughs> yeah, I was. Not, not wanting to talk to me at all. And he was adamant that he wanted a divorce. And I was totally crushed. I mean, even after 13 years of being separated. And I kid you not, three different times I had the money for a divorce. I could have walked into any divorce office and paid cash three different times. And all three different times that money was taken away. All three different times. I kid you not. So then I contacted him again and I said, are you sure? Uh, I want to make sure that we're going to make the right decision. So I started telling him about what had happened in the last five years and stuff. And he seemed to really, he really got excited about it, about what God was doing in my life. And then he started telling me what God was doing in his life. And that night we talked for three hours straight. When she asked me one final time, because the Lord, she's dealing with a bitter heart over here. When she asked me one final time, Robert, what do you want to do? I, it just stuck in my mind, why am I the only one who wants a divorce? Why does she want to get this going? 
And that's where we started connecting again, once again. She let me know about North Lake, and she let me know about the wonderful things that she saw, I mean, just on her first Sunday here. And just her heart was just transformed, and the way she was talking to me was just like I was actually somebody. You know, there was no bitterness between us. It was like, you know, once again, it was more like that, well, look what the Lord has done for me. And so we kind of got rekindled with that whole thing again. Uh, he's just laying it all out. I've been wondering for a while now what my future was again. And it seems like he's laying out the future right in front of me. He's saying what I thought was impossible before, the Lord, uh, the Lord was saying, no, this is what I want you to do. And you're not going to be the one that does it. I am. And I personally felt that the Lord was telling me when I prayed about it, the Lord talked to me about uh, just some major things like some healing and some just some beautiful things that were going to happen between the two of us if we, now it's time. So we're following through on everything that the Lord is telling us to do, going through with uh, counseling that we've started, having a recommitment ceremony, and just um, having a wonderful time just uh, ministering to each other and seeing where the Lord's going to take this. And this is only just the beginning. I'm realizing that he's the one in charge now, and I can stop trying to play like I'm the one that's in charge. He's in charge now. Lord, you go. <laughs> North Lake, I want to... It gives me great joy to invite you to the recommitment ceremony on May 22nd on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. <laughs> and if you haven't met, if you haven't met Robert and Barb, they're wonderful, wonderful people that Jesus has transformed by his power. Amen. Hallelujah! <laughs> he reconciles those whom he loves. And it says, God so loved the world. There's not one person on the face of the earth that God has not called and wants to redeem. Bow your head with me this morning. I want to give an invitation to you. Maybe you came to this service